You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. For the past five weeks, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. The book of Col- the church of Colossae was under attack by a group of false teachers who were teaching that Christ was not enough. That Christ was not enough for a person to enjoy the fullness of God. There had to be extra things in your life. And this was causing the believers at the church of Colossae to get their focus off of Christ. Now last week we looked at the text where the apostle began to address these, these false teachers head on. Calling their teachings mere philosophy, empty deception, traditions of men and elementary principles of the world. Now today, in today's text, the Apostle will identify specifics behind these heresies of these false teachers. Today's text is found in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 16 through verse 23. Hear now the Word of God. Therefore... No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festivals or new moon or a Sabbath day. These which are mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and worship of angels. Taking his stand on visions he has seen. Inflated without cause in his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body is being supplied and held together by joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, Do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure an appearance of wisdom in self-religion, self-abasement, and severe treatment of the body, but they are of no value against fleshly indulgence. That finishes the reading of God's holy Inspired word. As I mentioned to you before, four years prior to Paul writing this letter to the Colossians, Paul gathered together the elders of Ephesus. Ephesus was just a hundred miles away within the same region of Colossae. And Paul, when he gathered those elders together four years prior, said to them, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And now we see that these savage wolves have made their way to the church of Colossae, and they were attacking the Christians there. Again, as we have seen, Paul warned the Colossians that these savage wolves, they had the potential of taking a Christian captive, a prisoner of war, if you would, and to throw them into the prison of philosophy, the dungeon of deception, the torture cell of tradition, and the penitentiary of elementary principles. These false teachers were wolves in sheep's clothing, 
And here in our text this morning we see that Paul calls them out saying that they were disguising themselves as religious superiors. They were pretending to be humble and visionaries and they were masquerading as teachers of wisdom. Now Paul wants to reveal their true identity and the danger behind their teachings. Paul writes in verse 16 and 17, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Apostle reveals that these wolves were disguising themselves as religious superiors who were teaching shadows over substance. That the shadows had more than what the substance of Christ has. Notice the Apostle begins in verse 16, Therefore no one is to act as your judge. The therefore is referring to the previous section that we looked at last week where Paul made it clear on a variety of different points that the Colossians were made complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. And he's using the therefore here to point, to make the conclusion again that since you have been made complete in Christ, don't let anyone act as your judge. Christ is your judge, and you've made be made complete in him. Paul gives this admonition because these false teachers, they were acting as judges over the Colossians. Notice, let no one act as your judge. They were behaving like religious superiors, telling Christians what was acceptable for them to eat and drink, and what festi annual festivals, monthly holy days, and weekly Sabbaths must be observed to demonstrate your Christian piety, to demonstrate your life in Christ. Now, even though the apostle doesn't assign a label to these false teachers, this type of religious superiority sounds a lot like the Judaizers of the first century. As I shared with you last week, the Judaizers taught a combination between God's grace through Christ together with conformity to the laws of Moses. The Judaizers taught to be truly right with God, a person must believe that Jesus is the Messiah and keep the Mosaic law. This law keeping included circumcision, Dietary restrictions, strict observance to festivals, holy days, and Sabbaths. And you remember the equation that I've taught you throughout this series. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. It's, the gospel is not Jesus plus circumcision, plus dietary restrictions, plus strict observance to festivals and Sabbaths. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. Amen? Amen? But the teachings of these Judaizers, well, it seems that it stemmed from the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you recall, was a, a Jewish religious party 
that gained very high popularity, especially during the time of Christ. I've always wondered why it is that God decided to send His Son during that point of history. And I believe that one of the reasons why is because the teachings of the Pharisees was so contradictory towards the true gospel that God couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take this rule-keeping righteousness and it gaining popularity amongst the people of Israel. We see that the Pharisees taught that righteousness was obtained through strict law-keeping. And we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus condemned the teaching of the Pharisees on several occasions... And his primary critique against them was that they were heaping religious rules upon men's shoulders too heavy for anyone to bear. And the early church strongly condemned a sect of the Pharisees who had believed that Jesus is the Messiah, but they also taught that it was necessary to circumcise Gentile believers and to direct them to observe the laws of Moses. We see the Apostle Paul condemned the Judaizers in his letter to the Galatians saying that their teachings was nothing more than a a distort of the gospel. And now here in Colossians, Paul once again is condemning the teaching of the Judaizers for teaching the shadows of the Old Testament ordinances to have more substance than Christ Himself. They were saying the shadows have more substance than Christ. Now, come on. We all know, except for little children, that a shadow has no substance in itself. A shadow is formed only because an object of substance exists. And that's the point that Paul is making here. The dietary and ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were foreshadows of Christ. Christ is the one of substance. The dietary and ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were only the shadows. The thing that really mattered was Christ. Old Testament types and shadows, they all pointed to Christ. And so when Christ appeared, there was no need for the shadow anymore. It's just exactly what the writer of Hebrews tells us. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. But these false teachers taught that these dietary restrictions of the Old Testament would make a person holy before God instead of teaching that true holiness is only found in and through Jesus Christ. These false teachers ignored that Jesus declared all things clean in His ministry and the Scriptures tell us that what God has cleansed through Christ that no one should consider unholy. The Apostle teaches us in the book of Romans, the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
See, these fakers in Colossae required observance of the Passover instead of teaching that Christ, our Passover, had been sacrificed. These self-called religious superiors emphasized a particular Sabbath instead of exalting the Lord Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. Basically, these frauds were promoting that food, drink, and special days as the road that leads to righteousness instead of promoting Christ Jesus as the fulfillment of all things and the fulfillment of God in us. They were teaching shadows as having more substance than Christ. Now, last week I told you that this Colossian heresy had a unique twist. And I know that's all the reason why you all came back today. (laughs) And here it is. Paul starts in verse 18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause in his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by joints and ligaments, grows with the growth which is from God. So, after pointing out that these false teachers were were teaching the shadows of being having more substance than Christ Himself, now Paul jumps right in and says, "And here's the second problem these guys have: they worship angels instead of worshiping Christ." This is the unique twist of the Colossian heresy: that there were these false teachers, and especially one main guy that Paul brings out in the text that I just read. And they were promoting themselves as receiving angelic visions that presumably gave them insight on who were the real Christians and who were not the real Christians. That would be scary, huh? And Paul comes to the Colossians and he writes, let no one defraud you. Let no one discount the fact Let no one discredit the fact that you are complete in Christ. Let no one, he says, let no one defraud you of your prize. The prize is that you have been made complete in Christ. And let no one come to you and say, you're a Christian and you're not a Christian. You're a Christian, you're not a Christian. Let no one do that. They are discrediting what God has done in your heart, in your life. It seems that these false teachers were teaching that an angel could be used as an intermediary to God. And this heresy led people to worship angels. And when you look at the region, at that region within this portion of church history, we see that angel worship, which is something that was highly promoted in that region. And it's because of these heresies, these false teachers They were worshiping angels instead of worshiping Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, we all know that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. We don't need angels. We don't need Mary. We don't need incense. 
We don't need some holy water. We don't need a priest. What we need is Jesus Christ our Lord. As Paul expressed in his letter to the Galatians, if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And notice within our text, Paul reveals that these false teachers delighted. They giggled at it. They thought it was really something. They enjoyed doing. And what did they enjoy doing? They enjoyed coming across humble and self-abasing. But in reality, Paul says, they had inflated egos and considered themselves to be superior to to others. They delighted in deceiving people by becoming across humble and contrite, whereas in reality they were inflated with haughtiness and conceit. But if that wasn't bad enough, if it wasn't bad enough that they were worshiping angels and using angels as mediators, if it wasn't bad enough that they delighted to deceive people by their false humility, Paul goes on in this text to identify their biggest problem. And their biggest problem was that they were disconnected from Christ as the head. Paul says they were not holding fast to the head, which is Christ. Paul, just previously in chapter 2, has identified Christ as the head, that is, to the church. So, Paul's saying their biggest problem is that they're not connected to Christ. Their biggest problem is they didn't have a vital union with Christ. Christ was not their head. Christ was not their superior. Why? Because they were their own superiors. Now, this is a very serious charge. Because our vital union, our vital connection with Christ's head, well, Paul tells us, the entire body being supplied and held together by joints and ligaments grows with a growth which comes from Christ. If you're disconnected from the head, then the body is what? Dead. And I haven't seen a dead body grow. (laughs) Basically, Paul's saying you're never going to grow in Christ by looking to these guys and what they're teaching. They're disconnected from Christ. Now, isn't it ironic? That those who were promoting themselves as being the ones who could discern who were the real Christians or not were actually the ones who were disconnected from Christ. And isn't that just the way men manipulate people? They know they're not sufficient. So what are they going to do? They're going to tell you you aren't. And Paul says these guys are fakes. They're imposters. They come across all humble and all that. It doesn't work, man. (laughs) Paul continues saying, starting in verse 20, this is the, the third warning that he gives them. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of this world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself To decrees such as do not handle, do not touch, and do not taste, and do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men, 
These are matters which have for sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severity and severe treatment of the body, but they have no value against fleshly indulgence. Paul's third charge against these false teachers, they were promoting prohibitions instead of the power of Christ. They were promoting prohibitions instead of the power of Christ. These false teachers, these wolves in sheep clothing were masquerading as teachers of wisdom telling people do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. That was their mantra. That was their motto. That was their creed. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These prohibitions, Paul admits, might have the appearance of wisdom. But in reality, they are the elementary principles of the world. Basically, what Paul is saying is that they might have the appearance of wisdom. You might say, wow, that's really cool. But the fact is, is what they're promoting is the lowest level of religious thought and practice. You want to get to the bottom run of world religions? It's what they're teaching. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. That's, that is so elementary. It's down here. The idea that a person can enjoy the fullness of God by not handling, not tasting, and not touching. The idea that a person can enjoy the fullness of God by keeping religious rules and regulations. Well, Paul is saying it's so immature, it's so primitive, and it's so worldly. There's no beauty in it. There's no majesty in it. There's no God in it. There's there's not the thought. Have you ever been in Bible study or scripture reading where you just kind of like like go and you're like, wow, that is so cool. I never thought about that before. Well, it didn't happen when you were in these guys' Bible study. (laughs) They were like, well, of course. Do not handle. Okay. Do not taste. Do not touch. It's, It's so elementary. So Paul asked the Colossians, if you have died with Christ, do you submit yourself to decrees and commandments and teachings of men? And I can just hear Paul in the background saying, no, a thousand times, no, don't do that. As Paul wrote elsewhere in Scripture, it was for the freedom that Christ has set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not to turn back again to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world to enslave us once again. Christ has set you free. And those who have set free in Christ are free indeed. Paul saying, if you have died with Christ, enjoy the freedom from the yoke of rituals and ordinances. Do not be put back into the dungeon, being enslaved and held captive to these things. Letting people judge you if you keep this Sabbath or this holy day, if you eat that food or drink that drink. Don't do that, Paul saying. But the biggest problem that Paul points out in this last section is that, notice this self-made religion. I love that. He's being so sarcastic. and It's this self-made religion, this self-abasement, this, this severe treatment of the body, 
they were all posed by these false teachers as having a power. But he says they actually have no value against fleshly indulgence. They were saying that the prohibitions had more power than Christ. Now, basically what these teachers were teaching is what I call the outside-in principle. The outside-in principle teaches that if a person keeps the outside stuff out by not handling it, not tasting it, not touching it, then you will keep yourself holy and clean before God. You know how it is. This is the way I was taught growing up. Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang out with the people that do. The problem with the outside-in principle is that it's the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. Jesus taught the inside-out principle. Jesus taught that whatever goes into a man from the outside cannot defile a man. Basically what Jesus is doing is he's condemning the outside-in principle. Jesus is saying whatever enters a person from the outside doesn't defile a man. But Jesus goes on to say that which proceeds out of man, this is what defiles a man. Jesus is teaching the inside-out problem, the principle. The problem isn't these things that you're not handling, touching, or tasting. Those aren't the problem. The problem is in your heart. The problem is your heart. And the more you start just sinking in and, and listen up to all these prohibitions, the more you're going to neglect your own heart. And the, Paul in chapter 3 is going to go through this whole teaching about this. Jesus taught that out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slander. And Jesus goes on and says, these are the things that defile a person. The things that come out of their heart. And notice in Jesus' teaching that all the things that he's saying that have the potential, all these indulgences that have the potential, these fleshly indulgences that have the potential of coming out of you, all, all, all in the plural. It's evil thoughts, it's murders, it's adulteries, it's fornications, it's thefts, it's false witness, it's slanders, all in the plural. Why is that? The reason is, is out of my heart can come evil thoughts. Because I can have a variety of evil thoughts against a person. I can have an evil thought towards their, their intellectual abilities, saying they're an idiot. I can have an evil thought about their, 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 their success, saying that they're a crook. I, can, I have a variety of things that I can call you. It's all, I got, well, I got a whole list of them. And so do you. That's what can come out of my heart, is evil thoughts. Out of, the, out of my evil, out of my heart comes murders. 
Because I can murder a person with my anger, with my tongue, and with my attitude. Out of my heart can come adulteries and fornications. Because looking at another person lustfully is committing adultery with her. That's exactly what Jesus taught. And there are varieties of ways to steal, a variety of ways to bear false witness against somebody, being very casual and just dropping a little thing here and dropping a little thing there, just hoping that 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 person will pick that up and say, hmm, is that person really like that? Well, Jojo said he was. Okay. There's a variety of ways I can slander somebody. The point is, the heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I can tell you who. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ knows no more about your heart than you do. He knows all about your heart. Who can understand how desperately sick your heart is, is the Lord Jesus. So why don't we surrender to his power instead of developing lists of prohibitions? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? And that's what Paul is saying here. Don't, get, don't submit to the list. Submit to Christ. We sing a song occasionally, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Not handling, tasting, or touching cannot pardon or cleanse you from within. Only God's grace through Christ can do that. Oh, Lord, give me, make me have a clean heart so I can worship you from the inside out. You can create a whole list of prohibitions. And what Paul's saying here is those prohibitions have no value against fleshly indulgence. You can have a whole list. You can wear them as the Pharisees did on their forehead and on their forehands. You can have a whole list, 614, 13 of them. You can have a whole list. But the problem isn't the list. The problem is inside your heart. The problem is our hearts. And we have to submit to the power of Christ to capture and to rule our hearts. Amen? Amen. Again, Paul will talk all about that in the weeks to come. Well, as I conclude this morning, I just want to let you know that the problem isn't eating pig meat. Eating pig meat was restricted from the Old Testament diet. You couldn't eat pig. And I'm sure that these false teachers in Colossae was telling the Christians they, they couldn't eat pig. But I'm here to tell you, the problem isn't eating pulled pork The problem isn't eating pork chops or ham or bacon. (laughs) The problem isn't the problem isn't the pig. 
eating pig is not going to defile me. I had about two or three pieces over in the Connect breakfast this morning. (laughs) Thank God. That pulled pork over there at Mission Barbecue is good, isn't it? Yeah. All right. We'll stop now. The problem isn't eating pig. The problem is the pig in my heart. The problem is that out of my piggy heart can come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, fault witness, and slanders in a variety of different forms and styles. And if Christ, if the power of Christ isn't ruling my heart, those things are going to defile me. Not handling, not tasting, not touching, not eating a piece of bacon. None of these things, Paul says, they have no value to fleshly indulgences. That is such a powerful phrase. Paul's saying these, these things, these prohibitions have no value. They have no power against what can come out of your heart. The problem is my heart. And as a follower of Christ, I must allow Christ to rule my heart. Christ is the head of all rule and all authority. Therefore, He can rule over my heart and my mind to dwell on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely instead of allowing my piggy tendencies to rule my heart. The power of Christ in me working from the inside out. That's what brings glory to the Father. Amen? It's the power of Christ in me that can put to death my fleshly tendencies so that I may live to the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, let us not allow the wolves of this world to destroy the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's focus on the substance of Christ himself, Let's worship Christ and Christ alone, and let's trust in the power of Christ to capture and rule our hearts to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for the apostle through your inspiration that has taught us so much about the wolves of the world that try to deceive us, preaching another gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And Lord Jesus, I come to you thanking you that you have made all things clean. Not that I could be ravaging myself, but that I can truly glorify you in the world for which I live. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the substance, that you alone are to be worshipped. And thank you so much that because of your grace, by your Holy Spirit... You rule and reign in my heart so that I might glorify God. Work amongst us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.